When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, boys and girls, and welcome back into the Moment of Cluth podcast. We've got lots to talk about on this week's episode. My guest this week is two-sports star Charlie Ward. He's the 1993 Heisman Trophy winner out of Florida State University and former point guard for the New York Knicks. On this episode, we talk about how the quarterback position has changed over the last 30 years, if he would be a top five NFL draft pick today, why he chose basketball over football, and what the next steps are for the NBA and social justice reform. Welcoming in now on the Moment of Glue podcast, two-sports star, Florida State Heisman Trophy winner, and arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks in ACC history, Charlie Ward. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, my pleasure. Appreciate you having me on. So I want to jump right in because there's a lot that I want to talk about here. The quarterback position has changed a lot in the last 30 years. You were way ahead of your time. If you were drafted right now, would you be a top five NFL pick? Um, if I would have probably made a commitment to the NFL, uh, there's a possibility. Uh, but I'm sure my projection as far as um, draft status would probably be a little different than it was back back then. Uh, back then, I was going to be a third or fourth round pick. Uh, that was project the way I was projected, and so that was one of the reasons why I chose to keep my options open. Um, but like I said, I I don't know. I mean, I would be more likely since guys are going, you know, first pick these days that are very similar in style, uh, there would possibly be that, that chance that I, things would change. But we're talking about hypotheticals and 30 years later, Things have changed, mindsets have changed, and definitely the quarterback position is not what it used to be as far as uh, certain style, stature, um, and those types of things. So, yes, maybe so. Which uh, Heisman Trophy winner in the last five years or ten years do you think is most similar in playing style to you? It would probably be Baker Mayfield. Um, overall, it would probably be Kyler Murray because he played multiple sports. Yes, yeah, so I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, 
you were a legend at FSU. Is there a moment or a memory you have that stand out from your days in Tallahassee that you look back on and think that was my favorite moment? Um, I would say, you know, the national championship game. Did somebody say championship? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are all in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. The all-day playoff extravaganza is underway, so take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head over to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. It was a great moment, you know, being able to have the football um, in your hands, making decisions um, to go ahead and, you know, for the go-ahead, either touchdown or field goal. Um, and to be able to have that moment and then come through was probably one of the – for a national championship. You know, we, we, we did a lot in practice, two-minute drills. Uh, we had some games where we, you know, came up a little – where one game came up a little short. Uh, that were well, two years. Uh, lost two games my, two, my junior and senior. Um, and both of those losses, we had opportunities to drive the football down um, and make a play to win the game. And we weren't successful in those uh, two losses. Uh, but the national championship game, we were able to kind of rewrite the ship um, with that opportunity to kick the game win the field goal to win a national championship. At what point did you know that you could play in the NBA? Um, well, for me, I'm, I'm an athlete and I'll find a way to compete. I just need an opportunity. And so, you know, once I got that opportunity, uh, it really kind of hit me that, you know, I was in the NBA and uh, I was doing a summer league really, um, is when, you know, I started to find my way uh, that the NBA, you know, the only real difference was just the speed of the game uh, was something I had to adapt to. Uh, but I was able to learn, you know, my rookie year, I didn't, I wasn't called to play. And so I was able to learn the game uh, for a year. And once I developed that part of it, I understood, you know, what I needed to do to get my uh, body in the best shape possible uh, from a mentality standpoint. I always had that, but of course you lack in experience. Um, and I didn't have a lot of basketball experience, so that was something that I had to learn. And I was grateful for a guy, you know, like Derek Harper, um, Coach Jeff Van Gundy, you know, they taught me a lot. Um, about the ba about basketball, um, and I was able to, you know, just find my way through. So, really, you know, it was just a step up, you know, going from high school to college. You know, you kind of have that same thought process of how you're going to be able to make it happen, but I was able to find my way. Why did you choose the NBA or going pro in basketball over football? Uh, well, people ask me that question a lot, and, you know, my answer is just job opportunity. You know, the NFL didn't, didn't provide a, a job. 
um, and the NBA did. And I was grateful that I left my options open. And, you know, one of my prayers was for God to close the door and open the door and make it kind of clear. And <laughs> he made it really, really clear that I wasn't supposed to be in the NFL uh, because he definitely shut all the, you know, shut the doors to the NFL um, without being drafted at all. And so there was no job opportunity there. So the NBA uh, gave me an opportunity and I'm grateful for it. Was there ever a moment in your professional or personal life that you thought, man, I'm not being authentic to who I am and you asked for a sign and if so, what did you learn from it? I don't know if that was ever a time where I wasn't really authentic because um, I'm just a big believer that everything that happens, happens for a reason. Um, and it's preparing you for something. And, you know, there were moments, um, I know I had some run-ins with the, the New York press. <laughs> and some stories that were shared, you know, that, that put me in a, a different spotlight. And those moments were uh, very eye-opening and humbling um, in a lot of ways. And so, you know, it taught me a lot, you know, how to deal with, you know, the media, how to deal with the pressures of uh, speaking out on, on certain issues um, and things that you may have felt uncomfortable and just navigating your way through. through those tough times. And so um, I'm not sure, if, I'm not, it wasn't, I wasn't being authentic. It was just these things were presented. I shared, you know, I shared some things that, you know, of course the media took either out of context or they blew, blew up because of what I, you know, it might've been exploratory, but, or explosive. But I just think it was um, something I had to go through. And, you know, I'm grateful that I was able to go through those, through those and learn, you know, from them. Um, speaking about navigating, speaking out on topics today, um, I, the story around the NBA is, are they going to play? The Milwaukee Bucks led the NBA boycott Wednesday over the shooting of Jacob Blake, forcing the NBA to halt his playoff schedule and prompting a wave of walkouts across multiple sports. Have you ever seen anything like this? Uh, no. But have we ever seen anything like 2020 <laughs> this year? And so, you know, this year is definitely um, an outlier when it comes to just um, <laughs> things of, uh, that you've probably never seen. Um, and so uh, the things that we're talking about, social injustice and racism and um, all the things that people are you know, kneeling for or boycotting. I mean, these things have been going on for quite some years. Um, and so this year has been different um, because of the pandemic. And it slowed everything down. And now more people are seeing, you know, what's been going on and more things are being exposed because we're not busy. Um, and so I think that's something you know, that we can all learn from, that if we slow down sometimes, we can see, kind of see differently. Uh, but just to, 
you know, it's definitely different from that. What I, I never seen um, a boycott you know, of a actual basketball, NBA basketball game. And then, of course, you know, everyone's going to go across the board uh, with it. Um, but I just, you know, I, I think it's something that people are taking notice now more. Um, and players are using their voices. Um, and, and they're not really worried about, you know, the, the paycheck in, in, in some form of fashion. Um, so they're looking at it as bigger than money. What are you hearing from players in the aftermath of these shootings? Or are you hearing anything coming out of Orlando now from anyone currently playing? Uh, no, I haven't heard any, anything because uh, most of my friends, are the ones that I can get in contact with quickly aren't aren't there anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I was just thinking today, you know, just think if they weren't in the bubble, um, the meetings that they're currently having would be <laughs> much more difficult uh, because they were all be in their uh, different states, um, and they would they probably could have done it via Zoom. But normally, if you're going to meet in person, you those people, those guys would have to fly to a certain location, meet up, and to have these meetings. But since they're all in one location, um, they're able to call these meetings and get things talked out and worked through. And so, you know, there are some benefits, you know, more benefits to the bubble than I think they, they saw uh, coming. Um, but it's, uh, you know, more guys talking and we know when more guys are talking and thinking the same things and, you know, they're, this been, this year, if anything, has been all about solidarity. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's one of the things I keep hearing is they're doing it and we're, we're, you know, we're a brother, we're in a brotherhood with them, so I'm going to do it. Um, and so, you know, that's great. But sometimes we, we have to make sure that we know what we're doing it for and be willing to, you know, live with those consequences, whatever they may be. Adam Silver and the league have done a great job handling all of these situations, whether it be social justice or what have you throughout the last few years, especially in the last few months, to your point. But now that the players seem to have all the power at this point with boycotting games, what does Adam Silver do next? What's the right next step? Um, I don't know what the right next step, you know, will be, uh, but he's done an excellent job of listening to the players. And I, I think, what what they're doing now is another level. And so I think they're, you know, it's just a matter, they're going to have to figure out, you know, what is the next step? Because what they're doing, um, you know, the boycotts that they're having, you know, how does this play in government? You know, how does this play in, you know, in law enforcement, because those are the conversations, those are things that's happening. You know, we want to see change. Um, and if we can't get to that level, 
where we can start putting together um, opportunities to see some real change, then, you know, we can contain a boycott. And I think that's where the NFL Players Coalition, um, they've gotten to where now it's more than just kneeling during the national anthem. It's how can we get policies changed, law changed. Uh, let's get into the next step of what we're boycotting for um, or, you know, kneeling for um, and use our voice in that, that way. And so I think that's where we are, even with this boycott, you know, even if it lasts the rest of this season, you know, what is the next step? You know, are we going to work towards getting some of these um, policies changed? Um, you know, unions, you know, talk, you know, their, their whole policies and those types of things. And so I just think what's next. That's what has to be next. And so I think Adam Silver, you know, will, I think he's been doing, or they've been doing a, a good job of trying to, you know, hear what the players are saying and, and work towards change. Uh, but I think this is a, a another level um, of trying to get things changed um, from, you know, a law perspective. And I don't know, you know, the next steps is going to Congress, getting them involved and trying to get some, some policies changed. And, and I think that may be the next step. To your point, players are using their platforms now across multiple sports to get a message across. And reportedly today, players and owners in the NBA are holding separate meetings regarding what to do with the rest of the season. If you were playing today, what would you like to see happen with the rest of the season? Um, I was just thinking about this earlier. And the challenge is, you know, there are some guys who – who are trying to make a name for themselves. And this is their opportunity. And they may not ever get a chance to be in the playoffs again because they may be a, you know, a one-year deal or, you know, they may be a fill-in for some, someone on the team. Um, and they're getting the opportunity to play in the playoffs. And now if this gets taken from them, then, you know, that may be a chance of them not being able to be uh, able to make the team the next year um, because they may have missed some some opportunities, game game uh, opportunities, and financially they may not be able to, you know, withstand. You know, I'm just thinking, you know, that may be an issue. And then there's some who this doesn't affect one way or the other mm -hmm. from a financial standpoint, from a contract standpoint, um, or any of those things, and so. It's that combination of, you know, why are we doing it? What's the next step? Um, how can, because you're not going to be out there by yourself if that's your team. You're going to stick with your team. Um, and I'm sure hopefully all these conversations have happened um, and they've been talked about before they, you know, made this decision. Because I know there's some guys who probably aren't on board. Uh, they understand what they're doing but they may not be fully on board because of some of the things that I talked about, but they're going along because they're, they're good teammates um, and they can't play the game by themselves. And coaches, you know, one of my buddies who's a coach uh, said that he was, you know, doing what his team was doing, even though he may not believe or not believe, but 
he, he may not have done it, but he was doing it because he was a team player and he was doing it in solidarity with his team. And so that may be the case with all these, you know, with, with everyone. Uh, there may be some that may have done something different, but they're team players and they want to do, do what's best. So we'll see. Um, switching gears back to you a bit here, you have an, a show coming out on ACC Network. Can you talk about that a bit? Uh, well, we're still working. Uh, working out some of the details, but I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully joining up with um, Believe in the ACC um, at some point. Um, I know uh, Lord Spence uh, was, is going to be the host. And uh, looking forward to you know, being uh, a regular at some point um, on this show. I think it will be uh, for me. You know, I've been doing my IG lives, um, Charlie's Chalk Talk, and you know we've had some great guests, some great conversations, and this will definitely you know add to some of those conversations. You know, a little bit more about the ACC, um, oh. even though I'm. A, I'm, a, I'm an ACC guy, uh, but looking forward to, you know, just being able to talk a little bit more. And last night we had some great conversations like we talk, we're talking about today at a roundtable discussion uh, with some other ACC um, media um, friends. And so, you know, looking forward to hopefully having more of those. I saw somewhere now that you are coaching high school football. Is that correct? I'm coaching high school basketball now. Oh, high school basketball. Okay, I was going to ask why football or basketball, but you just answered the question. I switch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, this is a, definitely a God story. I um, I coached nine years. I coached two two um, at two schools for nine years. I coached football. And out of those nine years, I had one winning season. <laughs> um, and but they were, you know, great, great learning moments for me because I was a young coach, a young head coach, um, football. I just got out of basketball for 13 years, and so I had to learn a lot. And so, of course, there were some young mis coaching mistakes, head coaching mistakes. Uh, but the school's willing to live those mistakes. Um, we were able to help build a young man uh, through that whole process. And two, two and a half years ago, almost three years now, um, we were looking to move um, from where I was in Pensacola as a football coach. And two, the crazy thing, two basketball jobs became available um, out of the blue. I, I've been coaching football for nine years and two basketball jobs. One came open, a buddy of mine at a, at a, um, a private school in Tennessee texted me about a basketball job that they had um, open at his school. And I hadn't talked to him in about three or four years. And, and so he, out of the blue, he just texted me. And this was right around the time while we were giving a leave. Uh, Pensacola and then the school I'm currently coaching um, I was talking to their AD who happens to be my cousin 
Uh, one time we were, I was coming back from Tallahassee to uh, going, coming back from Tallahassee to, to Pensacola, uh, going back to Pensacola, um, we were talking about the head coaching job and they were getting ready to, you know, move in a different direction and, and what have you. And he asked me if I knew anyone and I told him if I found someone, I would let him know. And so at that time, I wasn't thinking about me. I was thinking about who may be the next person that I could, you know, shift that direction because I wasn't really interested in basketball because I've been coaching football. Um, but then once I got to talking and my daughter, she was here for um, a soccer workout with the soccer coach. And I talked to the AD again and it just kept pressing on my heart that two basketball jobs were potentially coming open. And, you know, I became more interested in basketball because that's what I had been doing for 13 years prior to my nine years of uh, coaching football. And so that's the switch and how I became a basketball coach. And in the last two years, we've had some success. We've had two winning seasons. I've had two winning seasons. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out maybe I should have been coaching basketball all the time. <laughs> That's funny. I believe in those uh, synchronicities being signs from God as well and directing you on the right path. So question for you, do these kids know that they're being coached by a legend or are they just in it for the after school activities? I'm not sure about the legend part, but uh, <laughs> they do understand and know um, who I am you know, and what I was able to accomplish because of Google. Google. Um, <laughs> And all the other, um, and all the other things that um, I was able to accomplish, but they understand because we're here, especially here in Tallahassee, um, and a lot of places we go, if we're traveling, you know, people ask for autographs or whatever the case may be. They've kind of come to grips that that's you know my way of life um in some form of fashion but they do understand that I, I coach them hard I coach them the way I was I was I was raised and coached um and I play I've been in all different uh levels meaning not just you know professionally college and high school but from experience as well you know i've been the star i've been the guy the backup and then i've also been the guy who didn't get a get in the burn and trying to figure out what the coach is thinking and why i'm not not getting a chance to play and so i i share all those experiences with them so they can understand that i'm you know yes what you see or you know with all the accolades and all those things that's great but I just want you to also know that I've been at these different levels, the things that you're struggling with as well. You know, I've been able to you know, struggle with some of the success that you guys have had. I've been able to have those same successes. And so I just think it's important that they all, you know, understand that. How lucky are these guys? 
Um, at the end of this podcast, I like to play two truths and a lie, where you tell me two truths about yourself and one lie, and I have to guess what the lie is. All right, I've been I've been married for twenty five years. Um, I'm from Thomasville, Georgia. Third one would be. I, I didn't play, uh, I played with um, Akeem Olajuwon. Okay, I'm gonna go with the third one as the lie because you are a man of God and it was very hard for you to come up with that lie. <laughs> 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 well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast today and for sharing your insights on everything going on right now. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day and um, I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Megan. Thank you for listening to the Moment of Cluth podcast, now available anywhere you listen to your podcasts. I'm your host, Megan Cluth. If you enjoyed this episode, please download it and share with others. Subscribe to be notified when new episodes air. Visit MeganCluth.com to get in touch. Head over to my YouTube page to watch my latest interviews and stay tuned for more great conversations. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.